had a box left on my front porch yesterday. A little cube. A little cube box from the UPS people. You got a um a, a G4? I got a G4. G4 yeah, I got a G4. No, I got a GameCube. No. Uh, <laughs> they, they were good cubes. That was they good. were good cubes. I was... uh. It's kind of like I was in my bedroom, and the bedroom window is right by the front door. And um, like I, I was notified that the is the Mac Mini M2 that it was delivered. I, I was notified by like a text message from the Apple Store because uh, I had it on my like headphones. I couldn't hear anything, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's out there." And there it was. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Opening up a, a Mac Mac Mini M2, clean it right out of the box. Having that, and this years. is for like a house, like for like general house use, right? Yeah, this is like the family Mac, and I, I definitely like I've thought about it more. It's like I totally would not have just bought one for my own use. I would just feel like it was too redundant. I mean, it is the exact same computer as my MacBook Air, just the desktop version. Yep. Um, same chip, same RAM, everything. Um, same storage. <laughs> so, but uh, but the 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 fact that it it is like going to be like it's the family Mac. Um, you know, for 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 me to have the benefit of like offline storage for iCloud Photos, so I can actually do a backup of my iCloud Photo library uh, always, and then for the for the kids to have access to their own profiles. So if it was just me and just for the storage, I would think, oh, even even you know five or six hundred dollars, that's too much for that. Um, but but to have the benefit of also having the kids have their own um, you know Mac profiles is uh, kind of cool. And I had yeah, I don't have an I don't have a second Mac or anything. I just have yeah. one. Just in my laptop, yeah. it suits me. I had all the peripherals too. I had the LG Ultra Fine Display and mouse and keyboard and all that stuff. So didn't have to do anything extra for it. Just had all of it already. Um, and and honestly, like I, I think our our boss uh, Seth had one time had had this is like maybe his first Apple Silicon looking Mac. I don't know, but he he bought one to replace his iMac twenty seven inch iMac, and I think he was he kind of had like the first. Apple Silicon experience where it's like, wow, this is like, no one needs, like most people don't need anything more than this, than, than the base Apple Silicon configuration. Yeah, like the, like the thing that everyone said with the M1, right, when it first yeah, came out. It's like, ex- exactly. Yeah, this yeah. is actually ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it really can't be understated. Like 95, 96% of anyone buying a computer can like buy a base model M machine and be completely fine and in most cases be way faster than whatever they're upgrading from like, yeah it's just, just an insane situation yeah um so i i only thing i've done with it is you know I set, I set up the three different profiles for me and the two kids and then um i for mine i made sure that my icloud photo library was local i already had all my, my photos on a drive from having it set up from the macbook air and so it was really easy i just plugged in the drive to the mac mini and then pointed opened that as the photo library and then made it the system library and set default or downloads locally as the option. So there was no like download all over again process because it was already up to date. Um, so that was really fast. That was, that was nice. And then the next thing I'm going to do is my music library. I've like for a long, for the longest time, it's just been every, I just trust everything is in Apple music, whether it's, you know, matched there uploaded there and then syncing everywhere um but i I've, now that i've got one low you know an always on mac in the house i'm gonna um have everything local that i can and and storage is no issue because you know i've got i think six terabytes connected to it so that's pretty cool so yeah and there's a, there's a few things you can do like I, ter- I looked up um you know what can you do with a mac server and that used to be an app that you would buy from apple and they they, got, they did away with the app, and now they just you know say it's macOS has these features, and there's some things you can you can turn on like that are off by default. You can turn on file sharing so that you can access files on your Mac from another Mac, etc. Um, not you know in iCloud I I do the highest iCloud plan, and so my file like everything's in the Files app for me, so that's not a big thing. Um, you can get and, um on the on the macOS server on the Mac Mini, you could turn on um content caching. Mm-hmm, which... That's the next thing. Yep. Oh, sorry. Have I, have I preempted you there? You have. No, it's fine. Uh, I, it was like three things, and that was one of them. And and so I turned on content caching. But, uh, I mean, maybe you can tell me more about it. I turned it on because I knew it was, it was a good thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and basically, my, the yeah. idea is uh, m- many parts of stuff that you stream from an Apple server revolving around, like, iCloud, so 
your data, right? And mm. or software updates. They uh, download or well, when the feature's working, they instead download once to the Mac Mini and then yeah. they download over the local network to any device on the Wi-Fi rather than you have to download it from the remotely every single time. So if you're in a house with a lot of people and let's say um, you know the new iOS updates just come out, when when the system's working perfectly. Only the Mac Mini downloads the software update, and then they basically just immediately start installing on all the phones because they don't have to download separately, which is yeah. quite handy. And the same thing for you know iCloud Photos and stuff. So like the photos will cache on the local Mac Mini. So if multiple things want to look at the same pictures, they don't have to keep going to the network every single time. Which yeah. is why it's you know um, marketed as a server feature because it's most beneficial when you're in like a school and then thirty sure. kids in a room aren't all you know hamming on the network they can just do it locally when you only have like you in the house or whatever or like you and a kid it probably doesn't no, matter too much but it's a nice little thing if you you know i wouldn't buy a mac mini just to run it as a contact caching server but if you've got one there you you know for a standing computer and you have spare yeah. disk space it's pretty nice to turn it on and get get a little um, speed ups in places the only thing is i never really know whether it's actually like working yeah. or not sometimes right. it works sometimes it doesn't so you kind of have to just like trust that it's doing something but mm-hmm. Exactly. At least in theory, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I turned it on, and and I, I, you know, I don't have thirty kids here, but I do have like thirty devices. So you know, maybe there's a benefit to be had. But um, yeah, it, the, the, I mean, the primary purpose of this computer is that the kids have a a Mac experience, and um, and a lot of it is just like the for me, it's like the joy of teaching them the Mac, um, and then and seeing them learn the Mac, not not just you know iPads and iPhones and Chromebooks. So. Yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty cool. I, I there's like none of the wow factor for me though because it's literally I mean it's it's the M2 Mac Mini, just like my M2 MacBook Air, just like the M1 Mac Mini. You know, like none of mm-hmm. that is uh is like apparent to me. <laughs> it's just like this is what a Mac does, you know. Um, and I, I think the mo- the biggest thing is like the, the display I have with it is the LG uh Ultrafine, the 4K 21 and a half inch model, the first one before they went to 24. Um, and not the 5k one and i think i i the only thing i will do is like eventually i do want to change the display out because with a mac mini i mean your your peripherals have a lot to do with your experience and so if you've got kind of a janky display then it kind of makes the 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 mac mini experience a little bit less and it's not that it's a bad display it's just it does have like a little bit of wear in it where i think there's like some dark pixels in one one area um and you know it's, look at my studio display, and it's like that's way better. But also, it's the family computer, not like the, the you know, main professional use computer. So it's it's a it's a really good setup for now, especially for the money for the value of it. Like I was yeah, a, maybe, a maybe bit... when Apple releases a next gen display and you want to upgrade, you can then just move the studio display down the line. That is a great idea because I I do want like if I if I have my my preference for even the studio display would be the articulating arm and the nano texture finish, and so I could. You know, if that ever goes on a discount that I'm impressed by, which I think even the refurbished ones are pretty, pretty good. Expensive. Price. <laughs> they're expensive, but they're pretty good. Uh, that that would be that would warrant the change for me. So, so that's a great idea. That's what that's what my long term plan will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of holding out to because you know there's all these rumors about the next gen Apple displays. Because mm-hmm. I'm not I, my secondary display here is like terrible. It's like it's really old. It's not even 4K. Yeah. And I was waiting till I moved and you know getting a new desk setup and stuff. So I'm kind of like getting there but i don't really want to buy a studio display but then i don't really want to buy anything else so i'm just kind of like holding out till the next yeah. generation stuff comes around and see what the options are yeah the one thing the mac mini does have on my macbook air is it can do two displays because it, it doesn't it have could, its own display yeah yeah it, it could run two studio displays unlike my macbook air <laughs> so and of course that, if you get the m2 pro mac mini you can do three or four displays yeah wow yeah that's yeah knock yourself out <laughs> there, there was a, a last minute temptation to look at the m1 macbook air because best buy was selling it for 800 dollars. so list price you're looking at a difference of 200 dollars to go from desktop to laptop um i was doing the edu route for the kids and so it was 300 difference and i i was tempted but then i'm thinking you know the, the, the i mean the, the port situation is one thing you've got more ports on the on the mac mini it's just a really good price. It's a newer processor. It's it's intended to be used as like a, a use in one place uh, computer, and then also giving kids a laptop. I think is kind of a recipe for disaster if you want it to be like last for a while. 
That's what I was going to say. I was going to say it's a lot safer if you get you know yeah. younger kids a desktop to use and mm-hmm. then it doesn't get dropped on the floor. You know you yeah. can't break the screen, or if mm-hmm. you know somehow something breaks, you can just replace the display part rather than the whole computer. Like the Mac Minis are just a lot more resilient in terms of like kid friendliness for sure. Yeah, and and it gives you that permanent place that you can do continuous iCloud backup on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if Apple did sell the MacBook Air M1 for $800, like even if that was the EDU price and it was $900, like $800 less than what it is now, that would, they think that'd be pretty satisfying in terms of, you know, whenever the Mac Mini M2 came out, I was kind of like really impressed by the price for education, but then there's not really a laptop equivalent of that. They they sort of point you to the iPad for that, um, for that like, you know, way below a $1,000 entry price. So if, if they manage to keep that in the lineup you know not, not just to like a, a third-party retailer sell i think that'd be pretty cool but you know you know not on my breath but but for this purpose you know for for having the family mac it's 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 pretty cool like you know when i grew up we never had a mac in the house we i was exposed to pcs early on and you know from like age four and on and i was kind of like the, the tech support for my granddad who had to have a windows computer for his job as a, a a math professor, so he could have email access at home and and an online gradebook at home, and that's sort of like my origin of getting into technology early on. And so, um, having the kids do that, but with a Mac, I'm I'm happy about that. I feel good about that. Something else that's interesting that involves my kids is uh, <laughs> <laughs> my daughter Emily. She uh, her her iPad was running iOS 15 recently. Upgraded it to iOS 16. And she's used iOS 16 on the iPhone. And um, she's been kind of like an evangelist for iOS 16 on the iPhone. Like she's taught her friends that they don't have to upgrade their iPhone to get a customizable lock screen that they can uh, they can update the software, not the phone, um, which I thought is just kind of funny. But on the iPad, when she was on iPad OS 16, the first thing she did was press down on the lock screen and say, why isn't it changing? <laughs> yep. Like, well, you can't do that yet on the iPad. It's only on the iPhone. Maybe later this year. <laughs> Which just yeah, feels... My, uh, mm-hmm. my sister, who's um, you know older than your daughter, but she has like learning disability and stuff, so mm-hmm. you know similar kind of mm-hmm. um, mentality in a way. She thought the exact same thing because the iPad, when you upgrade to iPad, iPad OS 16, the font, the clock uh-huh. font, does change to look like an iOS 16 default wallpaper, right? But obviously you can't actually do any further customization. Yep, and so she wanted like the emoji background, or you know, a photo album background of like changing pictures. And like, you can't yeah. do that yet. I'm sorry, this <laughs> <laughs> is not. It's a different operating system. It's iPad OS, not not. It's iOS. so different, you know. The lock screens are so far apart in terms of what they look like. How could they possibly offer you the same features at the same time? Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty good real world review of iPad OS 16 <laughs> lock screen. Yeah, and um, while we're talking about lock screens, there was actually a little minor change that slipped into 60.3 that we didn't notice until. Uh, Yesterday, Felipe Esposito uh, realized that uh, if you do have 16.3 and you still have your old iOS 15, pre-iOS 16 uh, wallpaper hanging around as a lock screen option, they now let you add widgets directly to it. So this this solves a lot of friction that people had upon updating to iOS 16 where it would force you to make a whole new wallpaper if you wanted to use any of the new features, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of widgets or customization, um, it would force you to make a brand new wallpaper and start from fresh. But finally, in 16.3, they've made it so that if you do have an existing um, old wallpaper, whether it's a photo or one of the stock system ones, now you can just customize it by putting um, widgets on top of it without losing the photo. Unfortunately, because it's only come around in 16.3, I feel like a lot of the people that have been impacted by this have already been impacted by it and no longer relevant because they've already deleted their old pre-iOS 15 lock screen. It'll, so this feature would have been great if it existed at launch, but the fact that it's come you know, in the point three release means far fewer people actually benefit from it being around because once you delete your old wallpaper, it's gone forever. So, you know, it's not even like you can get it back. And all of the pre-iOS 16 wallpapers that existed aren't available either. Like all the Apple wallpaper, for instance, for the devices and stuff, they just don't offer it. So there's no real way of taking advantage of this feature if you've already moved ahead to the new system. But if you happen to be a straggler and you haven't updated from 15 to 16 yet, this will help your upgrade experience. Just really need to add. A, I mean, they've got it right there. It's collections. They have collections as wallpapers, and having those be the like all of them for over the years would be so good. They could even make different collections of them. Here are the flowers. Here are the planets. Um, my uncle has the iOS seven default. It's like spacey one, you know, like 
can't quite picture mm. it in my head, but yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's a spacey one. Um, and he he just never has changed his wallpaper, and he, and he upgrades his phone and then restores from the the previous phone, and so he still has that. This <laughs> is on, on his iPhone 14 Pro, so I'm kind of impressed by that. Yeah, I do wish they would add like that wallpaper gallery they've got has so much room for just listing so much stuff in it, and right now there's only a very small handful of options, which are great. But it just reminds me of the Apple Watch situation with watch faces. It's like, you know, you, after a while, you just get bored of the ones that they give you and you want more and they just don't let you do it. And in the wallpapers case, we know Apple had years upon years upon years of wallpapers that existed before that they could easily bring back um, and just offer as options for people. But they all disappeared as soon as you upgraded to 16. So it's a bit sad. And... What I do like on the Apple Watch now is that they do that thing where you can select the colors from previous years. So, like, the colors for the seasons that match the bands. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, click on the customized thing. You can literally go back from 2022 all the way back to the beginning of the Apple Watch. And they have all the color options for the tint colors for the watch faces. Um, it just feels like they could offer a colorery on the iPhone where you can get wallpaper going back to the very beginning. And people would really love that. Because what do they do with iOS 16? They brought back the um, Clownfish wallpaper from the original iPhone, but nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. Well... First, bring it to the iPad, and then, then we'll do all those things. Um, also, this week we've got uh, some some fun rumors. rumors. Yeah, fun fun rumors. Ming Chi Kuo says that this story out of nowhere. He says that uh, next year, two thousand twenty four. So it could be like the end of next year, but in the next say twenty four months, uh, twelve to twenty four months. Apple will release a foldable iPad with a kickstand. The kickstand will be made, will be made of carbon fiber. It's pretty, pretty, pretty big uh, claim there. Pretty big out there. I mean, we have been hearing about Apple supposedly doing research and development on a foldable of some kind. There's mixed um, opinions, or you know, not a consensus on whether it's like a phone foldable or like a tablet foldable, and some people call it like a laptop foldable. Uh, coming out in you know in the in the next few years from inside apple's development labs but this is like the first time we've heard like a major um you know leakers uh, analyst say and put like a claim on it coming soon and there has been some pushback against this from some other you know reputable sources so like uh, mark german and ross young kind of said that they hadn't been they don't expect a photo by in 2024 but ross young did say that he's been hearing chatter that there's a 21 inch foldable notebook in development uh I mean, that's it, what, at some point it comes down to the semantics of what is an iPad and what is a notebook, right? Because if they fold it in half, what's the difference <laughs> in some uh, in some regard? And operating like you can system. A, yeah, we get operating system, I guess, but from a hardware perspective, it's not too far apart, right? Yeah. Like, Touch screens. Uh, oh, wait, that's coming to the Mac. Yeah, so if you had a foldable iPad that folded and the bottom screen would, you know, simulate a keyboard kind of situation, then it's basically like a notebook, you know? Like... Um, so there's, I think there's, you know, there's fuel in this fire here. Maybe it doesn't come in 2024. Maybe it's a 2025 thing. But we've been hearing for a while that Apple has been looking into foldable products. Uh, obviously, the uh, foldable like phone revolution they haven't participated in, and they certainly haven't been rushing. the The Samsung Galaxy Fold lines are on like their like fourth generation at this point, um, and I think they've sold reasonably well. But they certainly haven't like change the course of the market you know like mm-hmm. back in the uh, iphone 6 you know time frame before that came out samsung was leading was quite literally leading the market with bigger screen phones right every single year they bring out a bigger screen phone and people would say where's apple's bigger screen phone and even in the the leak of the samsung versus apple trial over the design you know copying ios that out came that um marketing internal marketing presentation made by apple and it said like customers want what we don't have and what they didn't have was mm-hmm bigger screens <laughs> and mm-hmm. and soon enough they came out with the iphone 6 and 6 plus and they were most successful iphones ever made right because the screens got bigger and i don't think that same situation is taking place now like some people see the photo by votes they think they're cool but they're perfectly content with buying um you know non-folding phones and the the it's i don't see that trend really changing like the foldable stuff still very expensive but Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it was a bit cheaper, like the iPhone domination is very much in place. I think like everything we see shows iPhone market share increasing compared to Android, uh, not decreasing. So I don't think there's like a huge customer pull for folding stuff right this 
at, right at this current time that doesn't mean it will change in the future right and as the technology continues to improve and stuff get thinner and thinner and the battery technology can improve then you know the, the product uh, appeal changes but it doesn't feel like apple's in a you know we must rush to get a foldable phone out the door um a foldable ipad situation again they, they you know they lead in the tablet space so they don't have any rush but i can see maybe there's more of a um, a justification for starting with the ipad first because you could have like a you know, like a 20 inch ipad that you could fold up to a 10 inch one then you could unfold it onto the table and have like a really big sheet of paper or you could have like you know a 10 inch ipad or a, a 13.9 inch ipad that folds up into the size of like an ipad mini and the thinness the thinness thickness problem wouldn't be as important with an ipad as it does with a phone that you have to put in your pocket the whole time mm-hmm. um and you also don't have the issue where like with the foldable phones the nice experience is when they're unfolded so now you've put like a step in between every time you get them out of your pocket because you have to unfold the thing whereas an ipad's more you know doesn't that doesn't happen as much you don't reach for it as many times per day so when you do you can unfold it and it's not as much of a burden as when you're using a phone you're getting out of your pocket you know 20 times a day and so i think there's 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 justification for starting with like an ipad size first um because the the bigger ipad's definitely better in terms of user experience but they're also way bulkier to carry around so if you can make them more compact by making them fold there's some there's some promise there yeah the equivalent too for samsung like apple makes the ipad there aren't a lot of other tablets that are as mainstream as the ipad is like regardless of what the business size of the ipad is um it's, it's i think it's pretty common to have an android phone and an ipad is, is or, oh 100 yeah. <laughs> percent you know so uh versus an iphone and, a, and an android tablet you know I, like android tablets exist but they're mm-hmm. they're definitely in the minority yeah like, which i think the could, iphone's what like 20 percent market share worldwide iPad feels, you know, way over half of the tablet sure. market. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so it's it's almost like there isn't kind of the equivalent tablet for Samsung to start with for fold, for for something folding. I mean, they obviously could. They make tablets and they make every flavor of everything from fridges to washing machines to folding phones. And I I do see the latest folding phone that they do, the purple one. Mm-hmm. I, I I see so, like when I see somebody with Android, especially on like social media. Yeah, that tends to be what it is lately. It's either iPhone or that phone. And I see it, I see more, like if you do a gender breakdown, I see more um, females with that, with that phone. And and I, maybe that's like part of the marketing too, is just, you know, it, the way that it can be sort of, um, you know, the, the selfie camera or like, it kind of looks like um, a little makeup, you know, pack when you open it up mm. and there's like the makeup and then the mirror right there. So, I kind of see that a lot more, um, and even on TV, like on the um, HBO series, the reboot of Gossip Girl. There's a lot of Apple products. There's like iPhones everywhere with no cases and all the colors, uh, and iPad as well. And there was even Instagram running on the iPad in the last season, like zoomed up. Um, but but you know the thing where you often see like the villainous people or people like doing mischievous things use Android. It's the same thing on that show, but it's this is what it is. It's, the, it's that Samsung Fold. So, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, what, something that kind of interests me here, though, is that Apple's really good at hinges. And, and that's kind of the weak point for these things is, is the hinge. At least it's it's like the point where if, if if Apple can do anything. I mean, there's a lot of weak points to it. You know, the, the thickness of it all, the way that the, scroll, the, the phone, um, the screen folds in or out, um, what happens over over time. But Apple's really good at hinges. If you look at the MacBook, especially, or even the Magic Keyboard uh, accessory for the iPad with the cantilever hinge, like they're, they're really pretty good at hinges. And so, if 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 there's going to be like something elegant about it to hide the the, the downsides of this, I, you would expect Apple's design team to come up with something that's, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, but 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 next year, I don't know about that. The timing, like Mean Chi quote, isn't always the best at timing anyway. There's a lot. Of, no, I think with with every rumor that come from supply chain, it's like. There is a movement there. There's preparation, but timing is always just like add twelve to eighteen to twenty four months to it before it ends up happening. So. Yeah, sometimes he nails it, but not always. Like mm-hmm. the the product kind of spec is generally what I like take more from Quo than exact timing. In, yeah. In what do you think about a carbon carbon fiber material kickstand for this I thing? Th- I think it makes pretty good sense. Like carbon fiber is a cool material. They could do a whole laptop out of carbon fiber if they really wanted to. So. Yeah. You want to make a carbon fiber kickstand? Go for it. I mean, the iPad 
is a the weight is a huge issue for a bigger iPad, especially if it's folding. Yeah. So if they need to make the kickstand like out of a carbon fiber material rather than like a traditional metal thing. I can see why they do that, and I don't think it'd be like it wouldn't feel premium. It'd feel good, I think. Yeah, the kickstand's but- the bit that like throws you a bit with that because a foldable like a foldable tends to have its own like effective kickstand because you can just yeah. half fold it mm-hmm. and it's like a laptop form factor right you don't have yeah. to fully out, lay it flat whereas the 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 kickstand idea is more for like a phone that's just a single sheet because then you can like prop it up but foldables kind of prop themselves up most of the time so mm-hmm. that was where that kind of was more surprising to me if you see what i mean yeah and it also reminds me of another area where apple's really good at is uh like i take for granted after using macbooks for so long but um Aside from MacBooks, and maybe this isn't true for high-end PCs, laptops, but um, I just recall before using Apple Notebooks, notebooks that would wobble and wouldn't stay up. Like you can you can close a MacBook to you know almost nearly close, and it will stay in place. Whereas cheaper display, you know, cheaper builds will collapse on themselves or wobble even when they're fixed in place. So. Those are some of the nice ideas you can you can imagine with Apple doing something foldable in the tablet space. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with the kickstand thing. Uh, it seems like uh, Apple did a kickstand this past year for the iPad 10 with its successor. Yeah, they did. You yeah. know, <laughs> with the Magic Keyboard Folio. Is that the name of it? I, I think, think it so. Is. <laughs> yeah. If you you know, regardless of if you had the keyboard half of it, the the back half, the case, the back cover has a kickstand capability. Um, so. It's, it could just be further into that into that realm, but um, yeah, it's all around kind of a weird product. But I like it because if you think about the iPad line with, with the iPad one and two, um, you know, is the, the the thing I remember about the iPad two is Steve Jobs saying like, you know, we're not resting on our laurels, like we're we're coming out with a way better one one year later, um, and and that was really fast progress and it was a really big change year over year. Uh, hasn't happened as much since then. But but you do that like new new sort of categories like the iPad Mini was a big departure from the iPad, um, and so it's like oh, twenty eighteen like was a good was a good generation. Twenty eighteen is a very good generation, yeah. yeah. Um, which felt like a refinement of like a refinement of what the iPad could be versus another sort of uh, like, like section of the iPad, you know, segment of the iPad. Uh, iPad Mini is like it 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 was also the preview of the design of the iPad you know, proper for the next several generations. But it was also, you know, the, the size makes a big difference in how you use the thing. Um, you know, and, and so true is the 12.9-inch iPad. Um, but it, I think since then, though, it hasn't seemed like we've had a big iPad change in terms of now there's not, you know, three very different sizes or, you know, things like that. Um, and so this would, you know, I would imagine, like, this doesn't replace all the iPads. Like, because also something you, you could do... A bigger screen iPad, as people want, and I think it would be cheaper if it was bigger and doesn't fold than bigger and folds. Yeah, yeah and people want people want that. People want you know a around fifteen inch iPad that is mainly used at a desk, you know, and sort of propped up and um, you know touchscreen drafting table experience. Use um, a stage manager. With more capability and yeah, so you can still have three apps on screen at once. Though. No, yeah. four, apps, <laughs> four apps at once. You can't. They make the screen like thirty percent bigger, but they're not going to increase the number of windows you're allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but at any rate, like the the, the bigger the screen, you know, it, it's going to cost more anyway. I bet. But but if you add folding to it, then it's like oh, it's really going to be a premium experience. And so I would I would hope that they do bigger screens plus separately. Bigger screens that fold, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's to be expected. Uh, mm-hmm. And and yeah, this twenty twenty four timing. What the consensus seems to be is that they all all the all the you know main analysts and reporters seem to agree that there isn't going to be any crazy iPad updates this year um, on any of the products. Uh, there might not even be a spec bump to the spec bump to the base iPad this year. But then in twenty twenty four, they're going to do the OLED. Uh, they're going to start doing like OLED iPad Pro. So. It seems unlikely they can do the OLED transition and affordable in the same year, but maybe it's like early 2025 or, you know, so like the timing thing is less is less relevant. But mm-hmm. when Quo says that they're working on a foldable iPad with a carbon fiber kickstand, you've got to feel like he's got some 
confidence that they're actually doing it. Yeah. You know, it's not just <laughs> right. like plucked out of thin air. It's not Quo the verifier. has a plenty good reputation behind him. Yeah. 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 See, I'd be cool to. I'd be um, looking forward to it whenever it whenever it materializes for real. Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. And use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. And Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device, and when it's in iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every single day. And you can try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Back to Quo. He's got uh, predictions, forecast for uh, the next couple of iPhones and how they will handle the long-rumored periscope zoom lens feature. So what's the story? Yeah, so for iPhone 15 Pro Max later this year, just the Max, right, we were expecting them to add periscope lenses, which allow for extreme uh, optical zoom. Um, And according to Quo, Apple's implementation of periscope lenses will offer a a one-third inch aperture sensor with a 12 megapixel resolution, a 12 megapixel resolution, uh, f 2.8 aperture, uh, and up to six times optical zoom. Um, and as expected, it's going to be exclusive to the biggest phone this year, which makes sense. You know, the, the generations, when they introduce this kind of stuff, it generally starts on the big one and it fills its way down the line. But the twist in uh, Quo's latest reporting is that he doesn't expect the periscope lens to make its way to the iPhone 15 like everybody else nor does he expect it to come to the iphone 16 and it might even not come to the iphone 17 and beyond uh, basically he says that due to the internal space requirements um and the additional price it seems unlikely that apple's going to design the 16 generation so that the non-max version has the periscope lens too so if you're like me who don't like the super big phones you like the normal you know the normal pro phones the major new camera feature might uh isn't coming to that form factor for the foreseeable future and this kind of blends in to the whole like you know apple's trying to do more product differentiation on the iphone and uh, making bigger separation between the higher end and lower end models and there's been these rumors that apple might call the 15 like the iphone 15 ultra instead of the pro max uh, if they're going to like separate out the camera systems again that would be another kind of justification to do that right so then you have iphone 15 pro and then iphone 15 ultra which has the super impressive camera system because uh, for the iphone 14 the the pro models are almost identical apart from the screen size right like all the, the cameras are the same um the, the process are the same everything's the same apart from the screen size and of course you get slightly more battery because the battery's bigger but uh, they've kind of flip-flopped around some years the pro and pro max are feature feature equivalent and some days sometimes they're more different more recently they've been the same but uh, Quo believes and a lot of people believe that for the 15 generation uh, that will change and the periscope lens will be exclusive to the big one which you know was somewhat understandable what was more surprising is that Quo says that even next year this the periscope lens will still be uh, max size exclusive so mm-hmm. yeah this... oh, I, I forget Zach are you on a max or a normal at the moment I wish I was on a max they didn't have them in stock on day one whenever I bought my iPhone 14 Pro um, and so I was really interested in having the phone as soon as possible and not waiting weeks. So I ended up not going max. Um, if I could easily trade up, I would, because I do prefer the larger screen and I don't find it to be unwieldy. Uh, but it, this, this whole like change from, from maybe pro max to ultra because the materials change, you could have the bigger screen and be lighter, but not have, you know, like you do with the, the 14 plus where it's, lighter big screen but not as good of cameras um it, it's appealing to me uh and then especially 
you know, periscope zoom lens, if that's only on, on the, you know, quote unquote max models for the next few years, then even if I was on the fence about the two different sizes, you know, ha- having the best camera experience possible in the iPhone is very important to me. It's one of my favorite things about the iPhone. So um, that would be reason enough to go for it. I mean, my favorite thing about the 14 Pro in general is that you get both 2X and 3X zoom without having to choose. And I love that. So, you know, it's this appeals to me. And if it's only on the Pro Max, you know, or the, the high-end Ultra, even if it's, you know, stupidly priced from the start, you know, it's it's appealing to me for sure as 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 a change to the iPhone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, also, the information. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Siri, build an app for AR. Is that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, the imagination. Hey Siri, build a VPN app. <laughs> hey, build, and then build submit a... it to the App Store. Build a Mastodon client, submit it to the App Store. Thank you. <laughs> the information has a report that uh, I think needs a little bit of translation. It, it's The report is that Apple is um, planning to have a capability with the AR headset, the mixed reality headset, where you can talk to Siri and with a voice control create, quote-unquote, apps that can be submitted to the App Store. Um, sounds kind of wild. I mean, only just this year can we tell Siri to turn off the lights at sunset every day and have that be a thing. So that's not quite an app experience. Apps are pretty complicated, too. Um, I think the translation that kind of brings us back down to Earth and makes it understandable is comparing it to what Facebook does with their Horizons world, where um, you can you, there's sort of like templates for the, the, the worlds that you create, and you can say, you know, I want to have um, this element of animal, this this scenery without creating it all from scratch. And it's it's sort of, you don't have to be, you know, a high-end computer user to build all this stuff. Uh, like, the buildability of, is that a word? Uh, of all of the sort of, like, like you know, metaverse environments is pretty cool. Like, you, you go back to Minecraft, the ability for people to, to, to be creative and create worlds in Minecraft without, you know, having to know a coding language or be the designer is, is neat. Uh, more recently for, for my kids is Roblox. Um, yeah, Roblox, same. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's one of the things that the Mac Mini will be used for is creating a, a Roblox environments. Um, and and I think all that's a lot more complex than even what this would be, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure about the submitted to the App Store <laughs> side of things, but, you know, maybe App Store is more like, um, you know, download this environment for this virtual world and less less yeah so. there'll be some sort of place where you can upload an environment that you created yeah. and other people can download it and, and be in it right and do yeah. something in it like yeah. the the I, the information report a lot of people um criticized it for being unclear and the word app definitely confuses the messaging but if you just like replace that with like i don't know sandbox environment or like content rather than app it makes a lot more sense because mm-hmm. then you can imagine you're in like this like open sandbox you can ask uh siri by voice because when you're on the headset you know you don't have many other input options so you kind of have to use voice input right because we've already explained that they're not really going to rely on keyboard or mouse input or anything like that Mm -hmm. so what you can do hand gestures or if you want to do like a search you're going to use your voice so okay you are siri please summon me a pig and a dolphin and a thing and then there'll be a big you know content library of objects that exist and if it exists the, the quote Siri voice assistant will find the object in the library and place it in the world for you and then you can position it and re- and move it around and if you get something that you find interesting then you can share it somehow to other people um, I doubt you'll be able to like sell them or whatever but there'll be some not maybe not an app store but some place that you can upload to this is exactly the same to how like Horizon Worlds in, in the Facebook uh, MetaQuest works it's, a, it's very similar to how Roblox works right like you wouldn't call the Roblox environments that most people make apps, but I guess they have some interactivity and there is some content. And this sounds like what this is going to be, right? Like you can, if you're designing something, maybe you're designing a living plant, like a living room, right? And you want to show it to somebody else. So you, you can ask Siri to bring you a sofa and a, you know, a TV and a cabinet and you can lay it out and then you can send it to them and they can be in the world too. Like that makes perfect sense is very similar to experiences that already exist in other headsets it's just mm-hmm. the information for some reason used the word app now i don't want to pretend like the information is necessarily incorrect because 
Apple could very much brand it as an app, even though it's not an app, right? Like they could they could come along and be like, now you can make your own apps for AR by putting virtual objects in an environment, and then you can upgrade them to an app store. Like Apple could a hundred percent be planning to use the word app as like the branding term, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just content. It's not an actual app. But I wouldn't put it past uh, Apple to be like you know what we can make this sound even cooler by calling it an app even though we know it really isn't so yeah. maybe that's because it sounds weird like it is it feels like almost the information would have to go out of its way to use the app description if they like it would make more sense than just say, build virtual environments build virtual content so maybe yeah. someone um has heard from like you know internal apple plans that they are planning to call it on like an app even if it isn't because for instance the the headset will have an app store where you'll be able to download actual apps right because mm-hmm. It would just like the iPhone and iPad. And Apple might be thinking, well, rather than having a completely separate store for some VR stuff that people can share around, we'll just have a section of the App Store, right? And so we might as well just call it the App Store. We'll call it an app, even though we know it's technically not. But just for simplicity reasons, this is what you do. So I can, that's how I can maybe see how this kind of story came together. Like, I feel like the information article got ridiculed and criticized by a lot of places where it didn't really deserve it. Yeah. Again, Wayne Ma has has had a great. Um, I mean, I guess track record is hard to say without seeing what comes out of Apple with the headset situation. But a lot yeah, of- if, if, <laughs> if the Apple headset comes out and it's completely different and it costs fifty dollars <laughs> and it only has one camera, like then I guess we can say the information's track record on this has been terrible. But yeah, but at we, least we don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Right? There have at least been frequent reports that are that are, um, if not matched, uh, you know, mirrored, up, in some corroborated way. for sure. Yeah, yeah very by Bloomberg similar. and others. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, they've and they've had reports of what we you know anticipate the actual headset designed to be for five years, six years. So they're like, that's yeah. the track record. And unless Apple really comes out of left field with something completely different, uh, they will be a hundred percent validated. Yeah, so so they I mean, they're validated enough that I can forgive them one word of slight confusion. You know, sure. Yeah. So situations like um, create a scene where. Uh, it's a rainforest, and there's this animal walking by, and you hear this sound, and this is the weather, or something, you know, things like that. Um, interesting. Um, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, 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 um, a down to life example, right? So you remember that app, the app, right? That Apple released with For Mankind Season Two, the AR app they did, the For yes. Mankind Time Capsule. Yeah. What was that app? It was a thing that had objects in a space, and you could like walk around it and see objects bigger. Yeah, there you go. You know, yeah, that was there's an theory. app, even though it's not really an app. But there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't. What I do know is Apple has Swift UI, which I believe is called a declarative language. This is my correct. That's the end of all my knowledge. Um, but with with that, you can say, make this blue. So why not bring that to Siri, where it's all voice control, Swift UI, declarative language, in the truest sense, because. Doesn't really scale that. If only it was that simple. If only it was that simple. Yep. I mean, you could definitely have, in limited use cases, have a voice assistant help you write a program or write an actual app. Um, But you wouldn't be able to do the entire app just by voice. I would would also guess that this is a serious. This is what they want to have capable of the headset doing for you. But that if you are on like playgrounds on the iPad or Xcode on the Mac, that you can do much more than you could do with just voice oh 100 percent, right like the the because these these recent reports are talking about how they're talking to like dolby and disney about making content for the headset they're not making their content by talking to a voice assistant right they're in unity or whatever um you know reality kit environment that apple set up for you know because xcode has loads of like ar vr worlds like you know world airs and stuff already Mm -hmm. in it so that's what you know the professional stuff will be made with the user generated content Maybe even though you can do that too using like Swift Playgrounds or a, or a similar application they'll come out with. And then the really simple, you know, bare bones example is you just ask for some objects to see and it puts them in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so may- maybe not as wild as it's been made out to be. <laughs> People bagged on this article for reasons that I couldn't really understand. It was yeah. like, if you read it through, like the headline, yeah, fair enough. It was a bit misleading. Mm-hmm. But if you read the article, it was like, Okay, we know what this means. Replace the word app for like, you know, 3D environment content and it all makes sense. And maybe, like we say, Apple is planning to call it an app even though it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sounds good to me. Uh, HomePod reviews, those are out. Yes. 
the HomePod second generation, which is almost identical to the HomePod first generation. Uh, the reviews are now out. I uh, didn't get review units, but I have ordered them, so I will give you my uh, hands-on impressions of the incredibly new HomePod second generation on next week's uh, happier episode. But just to summarize a couple of things from the review, the official reviews, which I think did struggle to write anything of extreme value because it is almost the same product that got discontinued. Like, that's the thing that's most confusing is why did Apple stop selling the old one just to bring back the exact same thing? Like, they could have just carried on selling the old one until the new one was available. Maybe parts became unavailable and that's why they stopped selling it. Like, and as far as I can... There's been some interviews today with, like, the hardware VP uh, Apple talking about the HomePod and um, why they bring a new one in, but no one seems to ask, or maybe they asked and they didn't get a... Apple just ref- declined to comment as yeah. to why the old one's discontinued, because that's really the question mark. Uh, but in terms of this hardware, the early reviews seem to imply that sound quality is about the same, which is reassuring, because obviously this has two fewer tweeters in it, um, and so maybe if they were going for extreme cost-cutting, it would actually sound worse, and they in the press release... In the official HomePod secondary press release, they kind of avoid talking about the sound quality in comparison to the previous model. They just talk about it as if a previous HomePod never existed, or they say it's better than the Mini, which is, you know, should be the case because it's three times the size. Um, but sound quality sounds about the same. Some people said it might even sound slightly better in certain circumstances. So uh, the the the, re- the removal of two tweeters uh, doesn't seem to have made it negatively uh, impacted, which is great because obviously... Um, it wasn't, you know, just because there's too few tweets, it doesn't mean the sound quality was going to automatically be, be worse, but there was a potential that it could be. So I'm glad to hear the sound quality is about the same and in some cases maybe slightly better, probably due to like software improvements in terms of processing. Similarly, the microphone performance also seems to be about the same. So, you know, physically they went from a six micro array to a four micro array. Um, and, you know, the, the old far field mics would really be hear you from extremely far away surprising distances sounds like most people are getting the exact same experience with the new ones i.e any reasonable distance that you want to talk to the thing including if like the hoover's going or something it'll be able to pick you up and hear you which is good because that was one of the uh, like the sound quality and the mic performance is like the two defining qualities i'd put to the home pod um mm-hmm. uh, the the this the, the, the be- sorry the two best parts compared to the smart speaker market um no, you know the microphone pickup is insane and the sound quality is very 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 good um, and that doesn't seem like that has been lost. So if you were mourning the HomePod when it's gone, now it's back. You have basically the same experience for, for the d- defining features. Uh, in terms of color, there was a video review um, that had a old HomePod and a new HomePod. One was space gray, one was midnight, as Apple now calls it. They are identical in color. Like, yeah. <laughs> they are literally the same color. I don't know why they changed the name. It literally the same color. Yeah, uh, I- I'm looking forward to you getting yours in the next few days so you can do the in-person comparison because videos are often hard to translate. But, if I mean, if they're showing two different things and they look exactly the same, that's pretty telling. Um, I heard on um, John Gruber described them as as somewhat different in different lighting environments. But, I, you know, I want to hear what you say. <laughs> I'll, put them, I'll put them exactly where my current ones are and I'll give you side-by-sides. Yeah, for sure. I'll do side by sides on sound quality, side by sides on appearance, side by sides on how fast they respond to you when you ask yeah. <laughs> them. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the works, but yeah. based on everything we've seen so far, I'm yeah. expecting almost identical performance. I wouldn't be buying. I w- to be clear to people that are listening, I wouldn't be buying two more just for the sake of upgrading. I'm gonna. I just needed more HomePods in my house, and I've been kind of waiting. I was maybe buying Minis, but now they brought out this one back again. I was like, okay, I'll just buy these two, put those two where my current ones are, and then move my old ones to other rooms. So I wouldn't be rushing to upgrade uh, if um, if that wasn't if I wasn't already in the market for buying more. If that makes yeah. sense. If my old ones died, yeah, yeah, I'd buy the new ones because I do like the HomePod, and um, and in until literally this month. Uh, if my old ones died, I would have been left in the lurch because they didn't have a replacement. But I'm glad that they do. So, are you are you confused that this HomePod exists in the way that it, that it has returned? No more confused than when they made the first one, and I wasn't confused when the first one came out. Right, like the yeah. first one, it had its weaknesses. It was too expensive to recommend to most people, and this is almost the exact same product. So, if you thought that the HomePod had any reason to exist before in 2021, before they got rid of it then why would there be any difference now? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same product. And you look at the uh, ecosystems offered by, you know, 
the Amazon Echo ecosystem or the Google Home Assistant ecosystem in terms of the products they offer. Like they have the Nest Hubs and whatever else, but they do have a speaker that's in the same size class as the HomePod, the big one. I think the Google one's called like the Nest Max, right? And the Echo has like the Echo Studio. So, you know, those companies have who make smart assistants clearly have a need for one that's bigger. I don't think they're super popular, but they do make them and they do offer them. So here's Apple's. And it was stupid they didn't have one before. And I do think it would be great if Apple had an even bigger range of other speakers in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And maybe they did ones with displays and all sorts of other stuff. Like, I'm not saying those other categories don't need to exist, but there's clearly justification for them to have a HomePod-style speaker. And when you listen to them, I feel like you get over the like all the randomness about it. Like, wow, these, these do have a reason to exist. Because for their size, they do sound incredibly good. It's just the fact. It just is. And you compare them to the Apple TV. There's some nice synergies there. They work great with Apple Music. The big, the big thing that I'm disappointed by is that they revived it without any real functional changes. You know, temperature sensor aside or whatever, but who cares about that really? And the price didn't go down. Like that's the only thing that really disappoints me is that the price is the same. And um, it's two ninety nine, which is the same price as what the old one was, but when it was discontinued. And why couldn't they just like? prioritize pushing the price down like if you look at the apple tv you know the new apple tv the best thing about it is they made it cheaper it makes it more accessible it was already a good product better and uh, some people said that's just a confusing thing because it's so expensive and what they did they made it cheaper this thing almost the same product as what they sold in 2018 with you know seemingly less hardware inside mm-hmm. and it's the same price as what the as what the old one was like i feel like they should have pushed the price down more if they could have they didn't so it's the same equation as it was before, if, yeah. if, if, if that makes sense. 250 would be a crazy good price for something in, in this, this quality. You know? I, I, but, I mean, I mentioned when they first made the announcement that I am very happy that they didn't go $200 and make something that is a lot – that doesn't compete with the original HomePod because, it, you know, I mean, we, we both agree that there needs to be a family of these products, more, you know, more variety, keep, keep, keep pushing the, the pedal on this. Um, but if, if you just had mini and, and medium and, and not, you know, big, then I think that would be too bad. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, given the choice, I would say I'd prefer the $300 one with comparable sound to the first one. And, and that still leaves opportunity for something in the middle. If, if that's what, you know, people might want. Um, also something I think I'm not so sure about that. I, I hear everyone say, and I think you might, I think you probably agree with this as well, though, is, is that. The, the well, I guess there's, there's a couple of parts to it, but but you prefer mm-hmm. HomePods and stereo pairs, especially, and I think that for a home theater experience is necessary because that's what you expect from from television is stereo yep. audio, you know. Yeah, um, one HomePod sounds fine, mm-hmm. but you put two together and it really makes a big difference. Yeah, um, but obviously you're putting two together, that's even more expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. right. I hear a lot that. You know, HomePod characterizes like one HomePod, big one is like it's really half the full product, and you need two to have the. And I'm not so sure. Like, I I feel like a three dollar HomePod, you get a lot of of bang for the buck. It is expensive, yeah. but but what are you comparing it to? You know, maybe a five hundred dollar um, Sonos Play Five or a stereo pair of of Sonos Ones for you know hundred dollars less. Um, I think that one. I think I'd prefer one HomePod to a, a stereo pair of like inferior speakers. Um, oh yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Like, it's it's not like a, a totally mono speaker. You know? If you're if you're using it for a TV environment, you 100 yeah. percent need two of them. Right. But if right. you if you're like putting it in like the living room area, just to be the main you know music speaker in that living room, yeah. you can 100 percent just have one and be very happy with it. Yes, mm-hmm. you don't get the kind of more ambience of the sound being all around you. It does feel it's coming from a point, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's over there, right? So, but. Yeah. But the actual sound quality is way better. Like the HomePod, like people would say, well, if you're not going to get two, you might as well just get a HomePod Mini. No. The sound quality, there's a huge difference in the sound quality between the Mini. A and stereo the Mini is not better than a, than a single HomePod, in my opinion. There's a reason it costs yeah. $100 less. Yeah, that's, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Like the bass response is way different. Like the HomePod's bass is like so impressive. Uh, and the, the clarity of the voice is like, you can tell that the HomePod Mini literally has one speaker inside it, right? The HomePod, even this one has five tweeters and a separate bass thing and it's bigger right so like it just does sound better now the homepod mini is 99 dollars. the homepod singular is 299 how much better is it uh, is it three times the price better uh that is where it gets 
hard I, to judge. I think I it. Think... I, I think it is because it's so so different in in, in the, just the, the straight. It's body kind of like... on the borderline, I'd say. Right, like that's why I feel like the price. If the price was slightly cheaper, it'd be like so much more of a of a you know compelling option. Because uh, ninety nine for the HomePod Mini, you can get three of them. Would you would you, would you have three HomePod Minis throughout your house or one big one? You know, like so that is a judgment call. That's a judgment call. You, each individual has to make. Mm-hmm. I think if the home big home pod was more like two fifty or two hundred, then it becomes like an even easier equation. But on a raw like comparison basis, a singular home pod is way better than a singular home pod mini or even a double home pod mini. I'm trying to, trying to think of some analogies to make it clear, but I, I one, one is like laptop speakers compared to your car stereo and, and that feels like a comparable difference between mini and, and big. Um, another one might be the classic wired Apple earbuds, ear pods compared to like AirPods Pro 2 or something. Um, or like your just... phone speaker is the HomePod Mini and the 16-inch MacBook Pro speaker is the big HomePod in terms of right. relative difference. Yeah, kind of or even an iPad Pro for that matter, right? The, the, the HomePod Mini is perfectly fine if you're, if you're just doing like mostly HomeKit stuff or you just want, you know, podcasts on in the kitchen. Like if you want like proper music going on, though, the bigger HomePod does sound way better. Um, you know, some people don't care, right? Audio quality is like whatever. It's like some people don't care about all sorts of features. If you don't care, get HomePod Mini. There's no problem with that. Yeah. Or get a you know an Echo speaker or whatever. I don't care. You do what you want. But there is a reason for the big HomePod to exist. Saying yeah. that it's a confusing, pointless product is just completely wrong. Yeah, I think it's a very important part of the HomePod like experience and ownership. Um, the thing like the, the, there's a couple of things here. One is that I think that. Um, whether you have one HomePod, big HomePod, or two HomePods, if if you care about like music quality and you want like a good stereo system or good music system, then a HomePod or a stereo HomePod, I think like just just having one or two is can can feel complete in a home. And then if you want the Siri input and the other features um, in different rooms, so if you want like to be able to talk talk to Siri through the air without having to worry about your watch or phone, then having a HomePod Mini in each of the bedrooms. And also multi-room audio, that's that's still that's a very good setup. And so you could do one HomePod for three hundred, and then a mini and three bedrooms, you know. And there there you've got four for six hundred, and that's pretty complete. Um, another, another thing is that here there's a lot of bagging on one on Siri and and how bad Siri is or what Siri can do. Even even on the HomePod is like a music controller, um, but especially as trivia, et cetera. And I think that I think that HomePod, like it, for, for Siri and the HomePod, um, there are things that it can do that you cannot do with Siri on other devices. Um, that's super convenient, or just that that like there are things that are better about Siri and the HomePod than Siri other places, especially the phone. Um, you know, with with multiple timers, I think you get that on the watch and the HomePod right now, and not mm-hmm. on the Mac phone iPad. Um, so there's there's one thing. There's there's HomePod specific features that I think are available in some capacity in the home app, but not with Siri uh, directly. Like you can use the intercom feature where you, you can even use it like from the watch, like make an announcement to your home. And so that, you know, if you've got um, a two story home and you want to tell the kids upstairs, it's time for dinner. You can say Siri announce dinner time and that'll go to, you know, a room or all of the rooms. Um, I'm not, when I use the echo system, there was the drop-in feature where you could say drop-in on the bedroom and then you could have like a, a one-on-one voice communication. Does, I don't know. Somehow do that. I just haven't used that enough to, to know, but I think it does where you can drop no. in on a room. Well, you no? can FaceTime. I mean, you can do a FaceTime audio call, but you can't. Uh, you can't, you you can't, can't do like, like a room, room call. You can, okay. the, the, the intercom's one way and then intercom. the other person can intercom back. Right. right okay. okay. So they need to have that drop-in feature or you do a room to room because I think that's pretty useful. And it reminds me of homes with you know when you walk in the in the door of each room there's a little thing on the wall for an intercom feature you know um and I, you know i don't see this a lot anymore but it's a it's a useful thing and i think homepod having that is like one of the things that's good about the homepod um so, so there's some things there uh something i do a lot is where is my phone where's my wallet so anything with find my you know you can do those things from siri on other devices but on you know to say it out in the air and your home anywhere is really useful for homepod 
Um, and then and they made it better with sixteen point three because find, now you can people. ask where are people as well. So yeah, like if I ask you know where's my sister, they, she's at home. It's like right. that's really nice, you know. And yeah. Just carry on. Or if you had a spouse, you can say how long are they away, how far away are they away. If you're preparing dinner or something, like I I, I do I do ambient sounds. So with HomePod. And I don't know about this with other devices, but with HomePod, there, there are ambient sounds that are supported without even having Apple Music. So Apple Music, you can say, like, play thunderstorm sounds, and it'll pull it from Apple Music. Um, but there's a lot of ambient sounds built into HomePod that are free, even if you don't subscribe to Apple Music. And things like um, fireplace sounds or rain rain sounds, rainforest, um, things like that. And I, I I use those a lot. And so that's like Have my... Have you tried... Because one of the features 6.3, you can, like, put ambient sounds into like home kit scenes i haven't seen more how that works but that's a new feature too i haven't yet and i only just now got humidity sensing today from the homepod minis so i noticed that i have climate as a as a section in, in the home app now for that um uh, but no i haven't but that's that's a big thing that homepods are great for for me um and then the second part is going away from siri i use airplay pointing it to different rooms from my phone all the time and I would love to see improvement in how that menu appears and how you control it and everything. Like the, the difference between AirPlay from phone to speaker or switch to speaker controller. Yep. You know, it's it's ugly and not intuitive, not very fast. But if you get in, you build the muscle memory of how to do it and you just do play this thing, play from my phone to the HomePod in this room or that room, then I, I love doing that. Um you don't have to worry about things like sync. Like if I'm playing a podcast, I don't have to worry about did it sync to the HomePod's podcast client on the server. Um, I just airplay it over, and it's the, the progress from my phone. Um, I do it for the Mac as well. And I put a mini in the, in my in my bathroom where I you know shower, and I had a Bluetooth speaker there for years. Um, and I just I'm so much happier with having an AirPlay speaker in there that I versus turning the Bluetooth speaker on and off and making sure it's charged up and everything. So. It, just serious side, the AirPlay 2 target, you know, it, it's there are other AirPlay 2 speakers, but HomePod is like the primary <laughs> AirPlay 2 speaker, and they're really good AirPlay 2 targets. Um, and for multi, uh, yeah, and you can set it so that anyone on the home network can send to it, so you don't need to like be on the same account or anything. If friends come around, they can target it directly, assuming they have an you know, an Apple device, like it works well. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, when HomePod first came out, there was differences in. You know, you could create a call, but you know they 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 fix so much since the launch. And that's when I, when I get to writing about something about this, I think it'll probably will be like, here's HomePod today compared to like the first three months. You know, I mean, it took AirPlay two a little while to come out for for multi room audio as well. Like that was later than the HomePod shipping, but um, I think even like the difference in like calendar appointments. You know, you could ask about it, but not create an appointment. And they they eventually got to all that, but there's so much now in HomePod that you know. It's a different Siri experience than you have on the, from the phone or the watch. And I think it's, you know, big HomePod, you know, think about one to two of those in your home is like the, your main, um, whether it's your TV speakers, you know, home theater, or just like this is a, this is where you listen to your favorite album, almost like you're playing a record. Like this is where you, you go to have that experience. Then then that's that's pretty good. And then the minis are like the satellite HomePods that are much more affordable. You put them in rooms that you don't um, – you know, care as much about the sound quality, but you do want to have multi-room audio and you do want to have Siri and put throughout your house. And then, you know, HomePods know what room they're in because you place them in a room in the home app. So if you talk to any HomePod, you know, the mini or the big one, you can say, turn on the lights and it will do the lights for that room that it's assigned to or turn on all the lights, it'll do all of them. But that's something that you cannot get with the phone or the Mac or the iPad. They don't know what room they're in. The HomePod is assigned to a room so it can do that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things about HomePod that I think are like, you know, I think you've got to kind of be interested into it, interested in it to dig into it, and and you and you know, have to pre- fit a niche of you know Apple only, yeah, you know, willing to spend slightly more money than you probably should. Like that's not like, a small is, category though. That's a pretty no, it's not a small category. But it's not music. universal, which is mm-hmm. fair enough. And like yeah. Apple Music, if you're not an Apple Music subscriber, don't buy them. Like right, right, because yep. theoretically, because yes, they do have an API and. I think Pandora supports it and Amazon Music maybe supports it. But obviously the big one is Spotify. Spotify complained about not having an API for years. Then Apple added one and they never added it. So yeah. uh, it's, you know, 
but even like the API integrations aren't as good as the native built-in Siri stuff. So like, if you're an Apple Music subscriber, uh, if you're not an Apple Music subscriber, I'd never recommend these things because they're not they just don't work as well without having that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I'll yeah. tell you how similar the, <laughs> the HomePod Two is to the HomePod One on next week's episode. All right, all right, <laughs> cool. Well, I I think I probably won't be able to resist buying one this weekend. They come out, you know, on Friday. Uh, <laughs> I don't need one, but man, the reviews just got me like annoyed and irritated. And I'm so glad. I mean, I told you when the first thing was announced, like the fact that it exists again is the killer feature. And um, and that's all it is for me. It's like you know, you've now you've got the the, the family back again. <laughs> So how long is it going to last? Are they yeah. going to discontinue it again? <laughs> I mean, and, and the discontinuation of it, how they handled it, I think was so poor because to me, it just signaled like, we're not going to do this thing anymore. Not yep. that we're going to take a couple of years and, and make the mini, you know, up to par with this one. Things like, um, you know, proximity, you know, waving your phone over it and having it instantly transfer stuff, over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They didn't signal that. And even if that was the plan all along, like they didn't handle it well, you know, with other products, they don't take it out of the lineup to improve it later on so that was pretty rare for apple um but bringing it back and they didn't say like you know we're stopping selling because the components aren't available anymore like they never gave a justification that was the apple classic thing is like yeah we can't build them anymore yeah, yeah. so yeah um i'm looking forward to see what you think because you did say that if it's not um as good you won't keep them but i think the reviews have been pretty positive yeah I the reviews to- have kind of put that at rest yeah, Chris, Chris, I, Chris. I kind of assumed that would be the case, mm-hmm, but true. I wasn't going to like you know say blindly I was going to keep them if that wasn't true because they are going in the prime living room position for the living room TV speakers. So if they yeah. do sound worse, why would I you know replace them? Yeah. Um, but it sounds like they sound about the same, so that's that's cool. Yeah, I like Chris Welch's description from The Verge where you know because is it better or worse? Um, his description was that it just depends on the track. Like some some tracks sound better, some sound better on the home on the old one, some sound better on the new one, and that. There is a you, you can probably like Pepsi challenge which HomePod is which based on the sound, um, but it's that it's, it's it just depends on the track you know I guess what elements are there to it so uh, yeah I, I'm so glad it exists I can't wait to hear what you think about it uh, I'll ninety eight percent buy one this weekend <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I'm again I'm super happy with the two I bought recently that were refurbs um, ha- haven't given me issues since the other day when I was having that weird. <laughs> left speaker one so fingers crossed that stays the same for a while yeah and that is the other question mark right is what is yes. the reliability of of the second generation because the home pod has the the original has a reputation for breaking which is, seems you, to be yeah. fairly true because a lot of people have ones that are broken i've still managed to skate through with my originals that i bought in 2018 and they still work to this day uh but yeah, a lot of people had have, have had functioning breakdowns and you know parts breaking, and there's like a there's even some like specialist repair websites that only yep. exist to repair HomePod OGs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So fingers crossed. In the two years that this hasn't been on the market, they Apple identified the problem there, and this generation doesn't exhibit those issues. Yeah, if you spent money on the first HomePod and you got burned by it breaking and not having a a, a decent repair cost for it, then I would totally be i get what you're on about yeah yeah i I would get not trusting apple on the new one and and to that end i think apple should be aggressive on saying if you have an original HomePod and it flakes out and it's not like physically damaged then replace it with a new one i think that wouldn't kill apple as a company (laughs) they would build back some trust here um so put that out for the world as well all right that's the Happy Hour Podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, please follow in your podcast app. You can subscribe in the Apple Podcast app for $5 a month or $50 per year for the ad-free version, and that supports us directly. We thank everyone who supports our sponsors as well. If you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach, A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... Beats it, man. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody.